Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Our opening music today is Columbia Gem of the Ocean, a popular patriotic song in the United States and the unofficial national anthem in the early years. This program was researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. This is edition NWS 597 for release on Sunday, August 2nd, 2020. On our program today, the early wireless scene in the new American state of Colombia. We'll also hear from Rudy Espinal in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, and our Japan DX report. Hello everyone, I'm Jeff White. It was on Friday, June 26, 2020, that the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. took a historic vote granting approval for the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., to become a state, the 51st in the Union. It's true this is just the first step in a political process that may or perhaps may not reach a full fruition. We might add that also India has still has its national capital city, Delhi, in its own national capital territory. Mexico has its capital city, Mexico City, in its own Distrito Federal. And Australia has its capital city, Canberra, in its own Australian capital territory. Well, among the many matters that would need to be resolved before D.C. could become a state would be the name itself. Currently, Washington City lies in the District of Columbia, and to call the new state Columbia, for example, could create problems with Canada, which has a province with the title British Columbia. Then, too, in South America, there's an independent country with a similar name, Colombia. Another suggestion for a new name for the perhaps new state would be Douglas, in honor of the African-American abolitionist Frederick Douglass, where the D.C. for District of Columbia would then become Douglas Commonwealth. Well, with more on all of this, we go now to Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. Thanks, Jeff. Way back on July the 9th, 1790, the American Congress passed a resolution approving the creation of a federal capital territory. It was a perfect square measuring 10 miles on each side, thus containing a land area of 100 square miles. The new federal territory was named Columbia, the feminine version of the name Columbus, which was a symbolic name for the United States at the time. Originally, the new territory was formed from land donated by the two adjoining states, Maryland and Virginia. However, more than half a century later, in 1846, the section of land donated by Virginia was returned to Virginia by Act of Congress, and hence the irregular border on the southwest quadrant of D.C. now follows the course of the Potomac River. The city was named Washington in honour of President George Washington, who was actually president at the time. However, just as a matter of interest, let's now take a look at the early wireless scene in Washington City in what is still at the present time the current Federal District of Columbia. We go back to the middle of the 1800s for the very earliest beginnings of the wonder of wireless. During the year 1856, the 30-year-old Marlon Loomis and his new bride, the 25-year-old Aksa Ashley, moved into accommodations in Washington, D.C., where he began practicing dentistry, a training that he'd implemented in several other areas during the previous decade. 
While living in the eastern areas of the United States, Loomis began to develop a system of wireless telegraphy by flying two kites 14 miles apart, to which primitive spark equipment was attached. It was in October 1866 at the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia that he achieved this successful transmission, some 30 years before the more famous Marconi performed similar experiments. The earliest known wireless experiments in Washington, D.C. took place in November 1902 at the Washington Navy Yard in Anacostia, D.C. under the callsign QI. The Navy imported a set of German wireless equipment from Slaby, Arco and Braun, and a set of French equipment from Ducrete and Rochefort. In addition, test transmissions lasting three weeks were also made using a set of American DeForest wireless equipment. A 180-foot-tall tower supported the antenna system, a fan of five wires, and two copper plates buried six feet deep made up the earthing system. A similar set of equipment was installed at the Navy Academy in Annapolis in the nearby state of Maryland. A series of exhaustive test transmissions was conducted between the Washington Navy Yard QI in DC and the Naval Academy QG at Annapolis, Maryland, a distance of 36 miles. These test transmissions were made using different versions of Morse code with a speed up to 35 words a minute. As a result of these early wireless experimental transmissions, the Navy declared that the German Slaby Arco and the American DeForest equipment provided the best results. The Navy then procured 12 sets of DeForest wireless equipment for installation on land and on ship. A few years later, a set of Massey wireless equipment from Rhode Island, rated at 15 kilowatts, was installed at the Navy Yard, and soon afterwards the callsign was regularised as a Navy callsign, NAL. This unit radiated on 1,000 metres, 300 kilohertz, long wave. In July 1925, the Washington Naval Yard, under a subsequent callsign, NRL, performed a series of transcontinental test transmissions with KDKA in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with KFWO-6XAD on Catalina Island, California, on 4028 and 7195 kHz. And we'll continue the story of the wireless scene in Washington, D.C. in a future edition of Wavescan. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray. On Saturday, July 25th, Rai, Argentina to the World, did some special transmissions in English and Spanish from station LRA-36, Radio Nacional Arcángel San Gabriel, which is the Radio Nacional station in the Argentine Antarctic. RAI has an AM and shortwave transmitter site just north of Buenos Aires, but the shortwave transmitters there have been off the air for a few years now, lacking tubes and other maintenance. During that time, RAI has broadcast its daily programs in eight languages via WRMI in Okeechobee. But this test transmission marks, as far as we know, the first Rai Argentina to the World programming being broadcast from LRA-36 in Antarctica. The frequency for this transmission was 15.476 kHz in upper sideband mode. Here's an excerpt from the English program. (laughs) 
Hello, welcome to this special program of Rye Argentina to the World for LRA 36 Radio Nacional Arcángel San Gabriel broadcasting from Antarctica from the Argentine Antarctic base Esperanza. This is a special program produced by the International Service of Argentina's Public National Radio for LRA 36 Radio Nacional Arcángel San Gabriel, broadcasting on 15,476 kHz on the 19-meter band USB mode. So happy, so happy and excited to be broadcasting from Antarctica, even though I'm not uh, in uh, the base, I'm in Buenos Aires. My name is Fernando Farias, I am the regular host of the English language program of Rai Argentina to the world and I also host the Spanish language program that you can check out on rai.com.ar that's where you can find all of our shows and today we are bringing you this special program for Radio Nacional Arcángel San Gabriel appreciate the invitation I'm really excited about this opportunity uh, I want to say thank you to, to the station for giving us this space for making this a special program on 15,476 uh, well I want to say thank you again to Damian uh, Tranamil and well all of the people that put on the uh, Radio Nacional Arcángel uh, San Gabriel. A quick excerpt there from Dry Argentina to the World in English via LRA 36, Radio Nacional Arcángel San Gabriel at the Argentine Antarctic base Esperanza on 15476 kHz upper sideband. Recently here on WaveScan we presented a short recording from the program This is Santo Domingo which host Rudy Espinal used to do on the shortwave station Radio Clarín in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. That recording came from a very good friend of ours for over 40 years, I think, Tom Gavaris in Minnesota, a well-known DXer up there. Well, Tom was nice enough to send us a related recording of the keynote speech that Rudy Espinal gave at the 1979 convention of ANARC, the Association of North American Radio Clubs which took place in Minneapolis. As a sort of trip down memory lane for some longtime DXers and shortwave listeners, we're going to present Rudy's keynote speech at that convention, probably in two or three parts. I had the pleasure to be there at that convention and hear Rudy's talk myself. Today, we present part one. Hello there, this is Rudy Espinal welcoming you to This is Santa Domingo. Today, a special broadcast from Minnesota. Minneapolis. <laughs> Um, I don't know where to begin, really. <laughs> I mean, uh, I've faced uh, a lot of audiences, large and small. I've faced a very large audience, uh, not presently, uh, a U2U -U conversation, which was my uh, greatest audience, I would say, and it was estimated in about 60 million people in Latin America on a Miss Universe uh, broadcast. And uh, I never felt so afraid of a microphone as tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 
for many particular reasons. Uh, I've been uh, taking surprises uh, after surprises. Uh, the mere fact of having been invited to the honor convention was uh, probably enough uh, for my ego to be uh, satisfied. And just having my name and my program mentioned in so uh, many publications here in the States, which I got back in Santo Domingo, was more than enough. And uh, I found that uh, I had reached uh, the highlight, probably, of my uh, incidental, hobby-wise, sometimes professional-wise, career as an announcer, as a radio announcer. Then I wondered, well, uh, I'm invited as uh, the guest speaker, and uh, what will I be talking about? So uh, Kim made it very, very easy for me. And he said, uh, well, why don't you speak about uh, Rudy Espinal? That's a person you know very well. I said, oh, yes, yeah, sure. Uh, that would be easy. So uh, that would be uh, the main uh, trend of uh, my conversation with you tonight. How I came into uh, radio, uh, what my feelings were, and uh, where I headed, where I am, and where I am heading, which uh, might be of uh, interest to you, and I hope uh, Kim was right. So um, I'll start by saying that I was born in 1942 in Curaçao in the Netherlands Antilles from Dominican parents. My father was at the time the Consul General for the Dominican Republic in Curaçao. The doctor, after I was born, uh, went back to my mother and said, uh, uh, you got a uh, boy, and uh, from hearing his voice, he should probably be a politician or a radio announcer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like both things. I've only been involved in uh, one, and I hope I'll stick to that one. Well, that was my uh, unconscious first experience as, a, as an announcer. I yelled too much. Uh, somebody heard my voice. Um, another anecdote that I might uh, have gone through was uh, once an inspector. Well, my father was the consul general at the time of uh, the uh, Trujillo regime, who was a dictator in the Dominican Republic. So we had an inspector from the uh, foreign office in uh, Santo Domingo, and he was having dinner at, or lunch at my house, at my parents' house. And uh, Rudy, with some seven to eight years, was uh, just playing around, cars and so on, narrating what, whatever was going on in that show that I had with my little cars and so on. And suddenly uh, Rudy stands up and says, and now Mr. Trujillo has been killed and he has been put in the back of the car and uh, the killers have dr driven away with him. My father uh, panicked. My mother almost fainted. And the inspector just opened his eyes and looked at me and then looked at my father. You know, and says, so what's going on here? <laughs> uh, so uh, very embarrassed, but then the inspector uh, uh, saw it was a, a kid's game. And uh, that had a, uh, uh, three meanings, I would say. One, my... Uh, uh, prediction ability because Trujillo was actually killed uh, and put in the back of a car and uh, driven away and uh, hidden. So uh, I foresaw that uh, that event probably at, at that age. Uh, 
and second, well, my uh, ability to uh, narrate something. Uh, that went true for several years because from what I know from my parents, I uh, got a, a really a kick out of uh, standing up in a, in a chair and uh, making speeches. And uh, maybe that was uh, the time where I, I didn't have my definition as a politician or as a radio announcer. I would stand up in a chair and my vocabulary wasn't uh, probably enough to uh, deliver a big speech. And I would just start speaking about my father and my father's pyjama and uh, the fork in the kitchen and my mother and uh, my father's uh, eyeglasses and uh, those kind of things. And <laughs> I could go on, uh, according to my parents, for uh, minutes, uh, half hours or hours just uh, making speech, speeches. And uh, at times, uh, my mother was a, uh, or is a lover of uh, classical music. And I would go for hours, that I still remember, in front of the uh, uh, record player and stand there and direct uh, all the uh, beautiful operas uh, that have been uh, composed so far. I also uh, developed some uh, operatic abilities as a singer. Uh, at school, I got involved in, uh, in the, uh, well, just before uh, uh, getting into the youth uh, broadcasting, which uh, took place in, in Curaçao and the Netherlands Antilles. I went to another experience that probably defined my, my career as an announcer. At one time, I was still going to school. Uh, my uh, uh, friend of mine and myself, where I was staying in Curaçao after my parents left Curaçao for Santo Domingo, I, was, I stayed there to finish my school. Uh, we sat down at the very old radio gramophone, which had these uh, 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 things to record records on, on, on paste, uh, which had a microphone and everything, uh, was just lying down there. And we started playing around with, the, uh, with that radio gramophone and talking into it and pretend uh, radio transmissions. Uh, first thing we know is that the uh, uh, neighbor comes in and says, uh, oh, it's you making all that noise. We thought it was the noise we were making inside the house. Uh, it happened that the radio uh, some ki uh, put out some kind of signal, um, maybe the technical uh, uh, developed people would know what that could have been, and it was heard in the neighbor's house. So that was a challenge for us to continue our broadcast to our one listener, our neighbor. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, we would uh, hurry back from school and uh, start up our programming and write down whatever we were going to do and say. And, and say and the records that we were going to play and so on. And uh, before a week we had an audience of about 10 people around the block, uh, which was a tremendous audience uh, at that time. Until uh, That went out for about a month or so until uh, something went wrong, we had a short circuit and boom, uh, finished, the radio went off the air. It sounds like Radio Clarin. <laughs> <laughs> You were listening there to part one of the keynote speech at the 1979 Anarch Radio Convention in Minneapolis, Minnesota by Rudy Espinal of Radio Clarine in the Dominican Republic. Incidentally, at the beginning of that segment, Rudy mentioned Kim Elliott, who was uh, one of the primary organizers of that meeting and who now produces shortwave radiogram heard on stations 
including WRMI. Thanks very much to Tom Gavaris for preserving and sending to us that recording. We'll have part two of Rudy's talk on an upcoming wave scan. But now let's go to Tokyo. Here's Yukiko Tsuji with her DX report for this month. Hello and welcome to the DX report of the month from Japan Shortwave Club, aided by Toshi Otake and I'm Yukiko Tsuji. We have several DX reports from our club members this week. Radio Filipinas, Philippines, was heard on 15640 kHz on July 6 from the sign-on at 0200 to the sign-off at 0300 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. National Anthem was played, then Dateline Maracanang was aired, followed by PBS News at 0230. National Anthem was on the air again at 0259. NHK World Radio Japan via Singapore was heard on 11695 kHz on June 30th from 1100 to 1128 UTC in English. SIO rating was 453. NHK Newsline and Journey in Japan were broadcast. YFM from Malaysia was received on 11665 kHz on July 9th from 11.30 to 11.50 UTC in Malay. SIO rating was 3.43. News was aired until 11.41, then ID and the jingle were played. Music program followed after them. Reach Beyond Australia was heard on 11825 kHz on July 2nd from 14.45 to the sign-off at 1500 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. Religious talk was aired. ID was given at 1500. All India Radio from Jaipur was heard on 5040 kHz on July 3rd from 1501 to 1404 UTC in Telugu. SIO rating was 353. English news was broadcast at 15.30, followed by commentary and drama. ID was given at 1600. Pan American Broadcasting via Tashkent, Uzbekistan, was heard on 7425 kHz on July 5th, from the sign-on at 16.30 to the sign-off at 17.28 UTC in English. SIO rating was 343. Tony Alamo Christian Ministries talk by male and female announcers was on the air. Radio Iran International via Yerevan, Armenia was received on 11550 kHz on June 26 from 12.40 to 13.05 UTC in Farsi. SIO rating was 343. News report was broadcast. ID was given at 12.50. News report was aired again at 13.02. Radio Exterior de España from Spain was heard on 11670 kHz on June 24th from 20.45 to 21.10 UTC in Spanish. SIO rating was 2.52. Relay of domestic sports program was on the air. ID was given as... Radio Nacional de España at 2053.
Bible Voice Broadcasting via Madagascar was heard on 21480 kHz on July 4th, from the sign-on at 1200 to the fading out at 1210 UTC in English. SIO rating was 251. The station signed on with ID, followed by a religious talk program with hymns. Finally, Japan Shortwave Club will issue the QSL cards for the correct reports on our segment of WaveScan program. We are issuing QSL card by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl at live.jp. I repeat, jswcqsl at live.jp. We continue to issue the printed QSL card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44 Kamakura, which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248-8691, Japan. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we'd like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi. Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Tetsuya Toriyumi, and Mr. Chiaki Shimada for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Showtime Club. I'm Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo. Thank you, Yukiko. Quick reception report here I'm going to mention from Claudio Dario Perdomo in Rengelet, in the、uh, Buenos Aires province of Argentina. Uh, he heard WaveScan at 2230 UTC on 9955 kilohertz from Okeechobee. He says the program heard was WaveScan.、Uh, during the program, I heard about the BBC, a reception report from Belarus, information about Cambodia, and a DX report from Bob Padula. Reception was 44343. says I enjoy listening to shortwave radio very much. The program WaveScan is one of my favorites. Thank you, Claudio Dario Perdomo. In Ringelet, Argentina. And another version of Columbia Gem of the Ocean ends this edition of WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, an American radio station in Australia protected as a heritage site. We'll have more from Rudy Espinal in Santo Domingo and our Philippine DX report from Henry Umarai. Several QSL cards are available for WaveScan. Send your AWR and KSDA reports for the program to the AWR address in Bangkok, Thailand, I'll give you in a moment, and also to the station your radio is tuned to. WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa, or to IRRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is QSL. At awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSLs is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanon, that's P R A K A N O N G, Bangkok 
Thailand. Again, that's Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakadong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, besides reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone.